2 Peter chapter 1. And we probably, well, I'm almost positive we're not going to get through the entire chapter, so uh, we'll, we'll see how far we'll get together. One of the things that is absolutely crucial for the believer is that we, we understand who we are in Jesus Christ. That we understand what it means to be a believer, what it means to be a Christian. And so many times in a, in a counseling setting, as, as I talk with people, there's a lot of confusion about what it means to be in Christ. And in and, and, and one regard, we, we know it's of Christ. It's because of his grace. It's because of his righteousness that I'm accepted by God. But then when we actually start living out our life, all of a sudden we start wavering on those two. Like, does he really accept me? Does he really love me? And sometimes there's this disconnect between what we theologically know to be true but then the real world and how we're living it out. And I think a lot of times that comes from not understanding who you are in Christ theologically, positionally, what Christ has done on the cross. Sometimes there's, there's a misunderstanding with that. But then the other side of the coin is, there's a misunderstanding when it comes to how I live out my faith. I, you, we have to do something. Say, wait a minute. I thought you just said it was all of Christ. It is. Your salvation. Okay, so what do I have to do? Live it out. Does that make sense? What we're going to see in this passage, as Peter is writing this letter to believers, he's reminding them of who they are in Christ. But we have to go beyond that. The understanding that I'm saved by grace, that's wonderful. That's, that's the start. But now there are other things that you have to take the initiative to do. Not to earn your salvation, but to grow in your faith. Do you see the difference? And so sometimes when I'm speaking to people and there's doubt in their life, and they're like, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I know Christ died for me, but, and then they start talking about how they feel. I just feel like God is far away. I just, right, you fill in the blank. We've all probably been there. I will usually ask them this question. Tell me about your walk with God. And they kind of look at me like, well, what do you mean? Like, like, like I'm a Christian. I understand that, but, but tell me the nuts and bolts of what it looks like during the week. And it's like, uh, you know, I get up, I go to work, you know, play with the kids, come home, try to chill out, play some games on the computer, go to bed and do it all over. I said, okay, that sounds like a normal life. <laughs> but tell me about the reality of your faith in Jesus Christ, aside from salvation, aside from your eternal destiny, how does it play out Monday through Saturday? You 
know, a lot of times people can't answer that question. They look at me like, I, I'm not sure what you're asking. And I think if, 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 if we don't understand that this relationship we have with Jesus Christ, it's not an abstract thing. It's something that's real. But here's the thing. If you and I are not cultivating our faith in Jesus, yeah, you're going to feel like he's distant. You're going to feel like you don't really know him. And this is what Peter is emphasizing in this letter. Let me give you the, the greater context there. They are dealing with persecution for their faith. But not only that, throughout the letter, and you see this more further on in 2 Peter, where they are dealing with false teachers. Teachers that are coming among these believers, trying to give them, if you will, another way to be right with God. It's happening right now in our time, too. All you got to do is go on YouTube, right? And so Peter has this concern for these dear brothers and sisters and saying, listen, let me remind you who you are in Christ. Everything starts with that. You got to know who you are in Christ. Now you got to know what it is that you need to be doing. Okay? As a result of being in Christ, as a result of Jesus Christ securing your salvation, there is something that you ought to be doing. There is a way that you ought to be living. And he's going to begin to unpack that. If you don't understand or know who you are in Christ, you're not going to be able to discern the false teachers. If you don't understand that the gospel is rooted in the completed work of Jesus Christ, you're going to end up falling for any new thing you might hear on the Internet. You know, I'm always a little suspicious when somebody comes to me and says, yo, man, I saw something in the word of God that ain't nobody ever seen, bro. I'm like, well, you know, you probably stayed up too late. <laughs> right? The chicken was probably expired. Because, like, right? But, but, but how many times that impresses people, right? Oh, man, right? Come, come, and, come and look at this. You got to look at this. You got to look at this. Well, hold on. Well, hold on. Wait, wait a minute. The gospel has not changed. The gospel has not changed. It is still all of Christ and what Christ has done for you, right? There is no new hidden knowledge somewhere that if, if you understand this hidden knowledge, it will really boost your faith in Jesus Christ. No. Uh-uh. No. And these believers were being affected by all types of false teachers. So let's start. And let's ask God to open up our eyes as we begin to look at 2 Peter. Father, thank you for the cross. We thank you for salvation through Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray as we begin to walk through this text, you would open up our eyes that we might understand. Father, that we might realize it is all because of what Jesus Christ has done that we can stand before you and be totally cleansed, totally righteous then help us to understand what we need to be doing, Father, in light of that truth. So, Father, please open up our eyes to the truth of your word. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. 2 Peter 1. Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. It's interesting. I mean, look at all the titles he has right up front, right? Simeon Peter, 
Simeon would have been his Jewish name, right? Peter was the name that who gave him? Jesus. But then also he's an apostle, one that was called by Jesus and sent. But then also he's a servant. Simeon, Peter, servant, and apostle of Jesus Christ. Now we know the life of Peter, right? We know that Peter did not always have it all together. Peter was quick to speak, quick to act, had a lot of passion for the Lord Jesus Christ, right? But how many times did he fall on his face? So Jesus Christ is speaking to the disciples, and he says, let's go. I must go to Jerusalem because I came into the world to lay down my life to be the ransom for many. And Peter speaks up, excuse me, not so, not so, Lord. <laughs> You're not going down here to die. Wow, really, Peter? And Jesus had to put him in his place, get behind the truth. How many times did Peter speak out of zeal but a lack of knowledge, right? It's interesting, but yet now here we see Peter after the resurrection. Here we see Peter in his boldness declaring the truth of who Jesus Christ is. The doubts are now gone. The resurrection solidifies Peter's and so Simeon Peter, a servant or a slave and apostle, there's the authority he has of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained, I love this, a faith of equal standing with ours. Did you catch that? He's writing to believers who have the same faith that is on par with the apostle. There is no dichotomy here. Well, Peter has a special type of salvation. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I think sometimes we think that pastors have this special dispensation, like we're a little closer to God than the lay people. Maybe it's because we have platforms that are higher than you. right? Maybe we should get rid of the platform right? preach down on the floor. No. We are all one in Christ because of Christ. Our titles, our personage have nothing to do with us. And I love that he says, He's preaching to these who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. And now he goes to explain the essence of this faith through or by the righteousness of our God and Jesus Christ. Well, is it God or is it Jesus Christ? Yes. <laughs> I love that. Here, Peter is declaring that Jesus was, is God. The salvation that we have, the righteousness that I have, is through what Jesus did. Why is that acceptable? Why does that make me righteous? Because Jesus was more than a man. He was not just a good moral teacher. He was God in the flesh. Our righteousness is predicated upon him dying on a cross, getting up out of the grave, and fulfilling the full payment for all of your sins. Think about that. Now, how many times do you struggle with believing that? How many times do you fail, and here comes the devil? Look at you. I thought you were a believer. I can't believe you just did that. I thought you knew Jesus Christ. 
You know, the devil is really good at accusing you and condemning you. That's his job, and he does it well. Let me tell you why he comes at us this way. Because Satan knows he cannot undo the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. He can't undo it. So the best thing he can do is to try to get you to doubt it. And you know how he gets you to doubt it? By getting you to look at you. Look at your performance. Oh, it works too, doesn't it? It works. And all of a sudden, we start looking at how we have done to determine whether we are fit to be loved and accepted by Jesus Christ. Oh, it's a sleight of hand. No, no, no. Peter says what? Your faith is of equal standing with ours. And it's through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. May you be overfilled. May it be overflowing in your mindset, in your heart. God's grace that comes through Christ, but then as a result of that, God's peace, God's shalom. We are no longer the enemies of God. Think about that. But now we are what? Called the children of God because of Jesus Christ. May that truth just be multiplied in your thinking. May you understand that. Be consumed with that. I'm God's. Can't be taken away. So he's, he's saying, may this grace and peace be multiplied to you. And here's, here's the thing. Look at the key here. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Folks, listen. This is what I was alluding to. Experiencing, understanding this grace emotionally, mentally, it's predicated upon what? The knowledge of God that I keep reminding myself of. It echoes Romans 12. You have to keep renewing your mind in the truth of who God says you are. The minute you stop doing that, you're going to just fall right back into looking at yourself based on how you feel. This this idea of grace and peace being multiplied in my life, being increased or growing in my life, it's predicated upon the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now look at what he says in verse 3, the powerful truth that he says here. His divine power. Yours? His. Divine power has granted to us as you and I, all things that pertain to life and godliness. Guys, man, I, I love this verse. How are you going to live the life that is ultimately pleasing to God, that brings glory to God? How are you going to navigate through whatever this world throws at you? It's not going to be in your own power. It's in the power of God. Okay? Follow me now. 
So if it's his divine power that is going to guide me through life, it's his divine power that gives me righteousness, then let me ask you a question. What is it that you can go through for which you will not have enough power? Nothing. Think about this. So we, we, we have to sit back at some level and say, okay, now wait a minute. If his divine power, verse 3, has granted, the idea there is he's taking it and he gave it to you. He bestowed it on you. It's like, here, you need an iPad? Here. Not an iPad, it's an Android, but, you know, secondhand. Anyway, here it is. It's yours. Now, you just gave me the Android. Okay, I needed a pad. Thank you. And now, what do we do? All right, this is awesome. Man. Woo, I got me an iPad. All the power, all the power to research and do calculations and all the apps and everything, it's contained in here, right? But then we go like this. Man, I'm really struggling. Why, bro? Man, I just, I don't know, man. I just, I, I, I just don't have... I don't know how to do finances. Oh, you know, there's apps for that, right? Yeah, I know, man. I, I wish I could, I wish there was some kind of way I could experience that. And I'm struggling. Like, I, like my boss wants me to have email, and I just, I, I don't, I don't have an email account. I just don't, man, it's really, I'm, I'm missing out on stuff because the boss is emailing stuff to all the employees, and I don't know what's going on. I'm get, and it's like, excuse me, what's this? Oh, yeah, this is my iPad. You know you can get email on that, right? Oh, yeah, I know. Man, I'm just wrestling. Isn't that what we do? Listen. His divine power has granted to us, has given to you all things that pertain to life and godliness. So what's the problem? Do you feel you have that power week to week? Do you feel you're walking in that power? Sari doesn't. Y'all didn't hear Sari. You didn't hear what she said, did you? Did you hear Sari? She says, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I know, right? You can't. Guys, look at the next phrase. Look at the next phrase. This divine power that he has already given to us through Christ Right? This divine power that he's granted that pertains to life and godliness. Look at the next key phrase. Through the what? Knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Look at verse 4. Through or by which he has, there it is again, granted to us his what? Precious or valuable or costly and very small? No, great promises. Like, is this a pipe dream or is, it, or is this real? He has not only given me or granted me all that I need to live a life of godliness, 
but he's also granted to me his precious and very great promises so that through them, what's the them? The promises. Guess what? You may become partakers of the divine nature. Whoa. What is he saying? Through what Jesus Christ has done, because Jesus Christ has paid the cost of all of our sin, the wrath of God is now removed off of my life. I am now his child. And he bestows upon me all that I need through Christ by his spirit to live a life of godliness for him. And he throws in all of these promises that come along with it. He essentially takes the greatest, strongest iPad with all the resources and creativity and things it can do and says, here, it's yours. And then we go, wow. And we never partake of it. Why? Because it's rooted in the knowledge of God. In other words, it's rooted in what? God has a means through which this happens in our life. And it comes as we are constantly renewing our mind with his divine word. Guys, listen. Anytime you hear me preach, you're going to hear it come back to this. Because in some way, this is so foundational for our walk as believers. If I am not renewing my mind with the truth of who God says he is in his word, I will not experience what he's saying. I will not experience the divine power. I, I, I won't experience it. Why? Because it's tied to me rooting myself in what he says in his word and believing it and trusting it that I might walk in the power of it. Pharisees knew intellectually, but nothing was in here. Pharisees knew intellectually the law. They were proud with the knowledge, but they didn't live it out. They didn't walk in obedience. You know why? Because they rejected who Christ was. Listen, I can't walk in this just because of seminary education. That, that doesn't change you. Do you know what changes you? Faith in Jesus Christ where he puts a new spirit in you. His spirit. And now I can walk in the truths that I know here. Pharisees just had it up here. That's why Jesus said to them, you know, you guys are real good at studying the scriptures. And you think by just studying the scriptures, you have life. But you're wrong. Because those scriptures keep you see how we can miss it? This divine power, first and foremost, comes from having our sins forgiven, being freed from our corruption, which Christ died for. Now that my sins are forgiven, the wall of separation between me and a holy God is gone. And, and, and that salvation, there's a transaction that happens, right? God comes in washes me of all of my sins, 
but puts his Holy Spirit on the inside of me. Now let me ask you a question. What kind of power comes with the Holy Spirit residing in you? And every true believer has the Holy Spirit residing in him or her. You say, but I just don't feel like I just Okay, well, wait a minute, though. It's one thing to have the Holy Spirit residing in you. It's another thing to be walking, and like Galatians says, keep in step with the Spirit. How do I do that? The knowledge of God that comes from renewing yourself in the Word of God? By coming to God in prayer? By pouring out your heart to God every day? God, I thank you for saving me. I thank you that your Holy Spirit dwells in me. But now, God, I'm asking, give me your wisdom to walk in a manner that pleases you. Give me your wisdom to deal with these coworkers, to deal with these students, to deal with this illness, to deal with this mental struggle. God, would you please, like, you got to talk to him. But it's not just prayer. It's not just prayer. It's prayer coupled with being in his word. See, these are the means that God uses. This doesn't happen in a vacuum. Through his word, we receive power. Through prayer, we receive power. We have the potential to experience it because we're in Christ. But it's like giving you this and then we go like this. Now, please. Hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying, so you mean if I get serious about being in the word of God, if I get serious in my prayer life, that I'm not going to have any issues? No, I'm not saying that. Matter of fact, you're probably going to have more issues. What I'm saying is when Jesus Christ hung on that cross and paid the penalty for my sin, and when God in his grace saved me through the work of Christ and then put his spirit in me, I now have a divine resource. I now have a divine person living on the inside of me, the Holy Spirit, that now opens me up to experiencing all that I need that pertain to life and godliness. But here's the thing. I can grieve that Holy Spirit. I can grieve that Holy Spirit by walking in disobedience. I can, I can shut down the power of the Holy Spirit in my life because I choose to not yield to him. Galatians 5. That's why Paul says what? Don't walk in the what? Flesh, but walk in the spirit. So even though we're saved, we still have that struggle. You got to, are you going to yield to the spirit? He says, yield not to the flesh, but yield to the spirit. So a lot of times when Christians say, I I hear what Peter is saying, but all of this divine power and, and, and all of these precious promises, I just don't feel it in my life. Well, guys, we have to be honest with ourselves and say, number one, am I truly walking in obedience? Number two, am I truly renewing my mind? Or am I trying to work things out my own way, through my own thought process? Am I really spending time with God? Because 
God said that I will give you all you need. And number three, let's say you're doing those things and you say, I still don't feel God's power in my life. Well, God's power in your life is not predicated on your feelings. It's not predicated upon your feelings. It's predicated upon what God has promised you. And maybe sometimes we are mistaking feeling God's power with the thing working out. Don't fall into that trap. I just don't feel God's powers in my life. Why? Because the thing's not working out. That's not what it means. God says, I will give you all that you need. One of the first things I say to people when they come in with a counseling issue, I say, what is the problem? They'll tell me. And then I say, what have you done about it? Oftentimes, it's not in the word, in prayer, examining myself. It's usually pointing this way. Guys, these are promises to every believer. Notice what he says. He has granted, verse 4, he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. This does not mean that you and I are gods, like our Mormon brothers and sisters believe, that you are a little god, and eventually you will become a god. That's not what he's saying here. In other words, this divine essence, this divine nature is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. I can live out my life with this divine nature on the inside of me through the person of the Holy Spirit. So that the way I used to think, the way I used to handle conflict, I don't do anymore. I'm doing it with his divine strength. It ain't me. I know how I would have handled that. That's what I knew, that God's doing something. Like, I know. Like, <laughs> you laughing. Well, like, <laughs> cross us the wrong way, growing up in the hood in Philly. Ooh. Brooklyn, right? Bronx, right? Like, what, what, right? That's how you know. He's like, all of a sudden, I'm not, I'm not doing things the way I used to do them. That's God in you, conforming you to the image of his son. Do we understand that that is a divine process that takes place? That's God doing that. But please, the means through which he does it is his word. God gave him the Android, but he never used it. Isn't that funny? It's right here. All you got to do is open it up. But now here's the thing. That means you got to do what? You have to spend time opening it up. You have to spend time learning how to do the apps. All the resources, all the things are here. All the resources for me to be like God, like Jesus, all the resources to handle my mental struggle, my, my, my conflicts, my relationships, all the resources for that are here in God's word. That's what God is saying. I've opened you up to all the resources you need. I have to take advantage of it. I have to walk in it. And Satan knows if he can keep us so busy that we don't have time to get alone with God, he's got it. We're going to default to the way we think. We're going to default to doing life our way. And Satan loves that. 
Again, I often say Satan knows he cannot take your salvation. But what he can do is paralyze your belief. What he can do is keep out of your mind who you truly are in Jesus Christ. What he can do is make you deal with false guilt. Even though Christ already paid for all your sin. He can make you deal with false guilt so you never want to open up the word because you feel so ashamed. This is how Satan works. And you got to keep going back to what did he start with? He started with the righteousness of Christ. He started with this equal standing that we have through Jesus. I told a guy one time, he said, I just can't forgive myself. I said, well, that's okay. That's okay. You don't, you don't have to forgive yourself. Who, like, who are you? You're not the standard. He just looked at me. He said, well, Pastor, you, know, you don't understand. I'm really struggling with forgiving myself. I said, well, you know, that's actually a pride issue. That's a pride issue. He was like, whoa, Pastor, whoa, whoa, you're crossing the line now. I said, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell, let me tell you why it's a pride issue. Because you can't forgive yourself, right? Yeah, I'm just really struggling. Okay, let me ask you a question. What happened on the cross? The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus Christ for how much sin? All. But you can't forgive yourself. So your standard's higher than Jesus's? Your standard's higher than God's? Look, guys, the minute we can say, I know Jesus died for my sins, but you don't understand the cross. There's no but in that sentence. He died, the writer of Hebrews says, once for all sin. Now we want to come along and say, well, I just don't feel like I can forgive myself. Don't matter what you feel like. And even that pride that is making you say that has been forgiven. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We have to come back and understand who we are in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 5. And I knew we're not going to get through all of this, but Pastor Emmanuel said he needs some time off. So you can take another four weeks off, brother. i got to get through this. <laughs> Look at what he says. After, after giving who we are in Christ because of what Jesus Christ has done. Look at verse 4 again. He says there in the middle. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. He's reminding them who they are. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. God rescued you from destruction that sin brings in our lives. Not only, watch this, not only eternal damnation. He saved us from that. Absolutely, right? Righteousness of Christ. But living this life now in 2023, he has rescued me from the corruption of sin that's in the world. What is he saying? I don't have to partake of that. I have the power through Christ to say no. Guys, please catch that. I think sometimes we think our salvation is only good for eternity. Well, what good is your salvation for now? It's good for what? All life and godliness now. Oh, bro, I'm just struggling, man. You know, I just, I, I, I just can't. Yes, you can. That's why Paul said, I beat my flesh and I keep it under subjection. Not in his own strength. We've just learned it's his divine power. You have to say, I, I'm not sold under sin. I don't have to do that. Before Christ, 
I might have willed. I don't want to do it. And I would do it every time. Christ comes in, all of a sudden you feel this conviction. Like, ooh, I shouldn't do that. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. But not only does he convict us, but he gives you the power to walk in a godly way. This is powerful, who we are in Christ and what it means for us living our life. We've escaped from the corruption that is in the world. We've escaped from it. Romans talks about, in Romans 6, why are you selling yourself back under slavery? Wow. Talk about freedom. Why, why, why are you allowing sin to reign in your life? Don't you know you've been freed? His divine power has freed you from that. Now, that does not mean you don't feel the what? The temptation. The pull. The pull to give in. That's real. Absolutely that's real. But you do not have to give in. His divine power has given you all you need for life and godliness. And this is where, guys, I think as, as believers in this world, you have to recognize, okay, as much as I might want to do that, as much as I'm being tempted to do that, I don't have to because of the Holy Spirit within me. But it's not just about sitting there and repeating that truth over and over. It's about renewing your mind in a word. It's about prayer, and it's about putting accountability in your life so that you do not give in to the temptation. But don't feel that you don't have a choice. You do. You are no longer under sin. Hallelujah. Amen? Talk to one dear brother. He said, man, I, know I just keep on falling, man. I keep falling. I said, man, ask you a question. The reason you keep falling is because you keep going to that place. It ain't no big spiritual theological truth you need. Stop going to that place where you keep falling. Now I know my brother, they got some good ribs in this church. Really? This is what we do, right? This is what we do. We, I don't understand, I don't understand. What do you mean? Set accountability in your life. I talked to one dear brother who was on the verge of losing his marriage struggling with pornography. And he said, I'm doing everything I, in my power. I'm about to give up because I just can't. I said, okay. I took him to Peter. I said, so then this must not be true. Because this says God has given you all that you need through Christ, through his Holy Spirit that pertain to life and godliness, living in a life, uh, living a life that's honoring God. So you're saying you can't. He said, bro, I just, I just can't. I said, well, then either this is a lie or you're not being honest with yourself about what you're not doing. When it finally came out, he was not setting boundaries of secrecy. You know, you, you can't, look, if you're dieting, you ain't got no reason walking through the bakery. Why are you walking through the bakery? Why are you doing it? Well, no, no, I'm on a diet. I know, I know, I know you're on a diet. So why are you walking to the bakery? Well, I'm not going to eat it, but at least I can see it. And they go, and you meet them coming out. What's that under your arm? Um, yeah, I brought those for my wife. Yeah, help. Yeah, right. We do that though, don't we? 
So we have these struggles in our life. We have these vices in our life. And you think Satan is going to not try to exasperate that? You've got to set accountability in your life. So this dear young brother, newly married, young wife, she's exasperated. She's about to leave. I said, listen, man, you've got to start putting accountability in your life that you might experience the power of God. God works hand in hand with our effort and our choices. That's going to come up in the test. He said, well, what do you suggest I do? I said, here's the first thing I suggest you do. You keep stopping at that place, and that's where you keep falling, getting involved with that filth, right? He said, yes. I said, go a different way to work. He said, pastor, the other route would take me 35 minutes out of the way. I said, so what? You want to be free or don't you? Praise God. That brother start going 35 minutes in the opposite direction to get to his workplace so he would not give in to the temptation of stopping at that place. That's what it looks like. Did God give him the power to do that? Yes. Well, why wasn't it happening when he went this way? Because he was doing what? Not setting accountability in his life. He was not walking in wisdom. God works through the truth of his word. And praise God, that marriage is saved. We're going to get ready to wrap up, but we got to look at this last verse. Look at, look at verse 5, please. In verse 4, it says, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now look at verse 5. For this very reason, everything he just said, make every effort. Wait a minute. I thought you just said Christ did it all. He did. Why is he telling me to make every effort? Yes. Do you see how the two work together? He tells these believers, make every effort. In other words, have all diligence. In other words, you have to supply. The idea is to supply. Do one's best to add this to what Christ has already done, not for salvation, so that I might walk a godly life. That's the connection, guys. My salvation is secure. Can never be touched. But notice what he says. Make every effort or supply. Make every effort to supply, to supplement your faith. <laughs> there it is. Why? You have to make this conscious decision to walk in the godly life. That's not happening by itself. You are righteous in Christ, yes, but now go. Now go walk in it. Tony's daughter just got married, right? So Tony's daughter just got married, and when Tony's daughter, Jenna, stood there with Rashad, her new husband, and the minister says, I now pronounce you husband and wife. They kissed. They were now legally bound by law and in the presence of God, right? Husband and wife. What did they now have to do? What's the last thing that happens in a wedding ceremony after they're pronounced? What do they do? Now go walk in it. You 
You think you're not going to have trials? You think you're not going to have, man, should I have done this? Should I have gone? All of those emotions are going to come up, but it doesn't change the standing that they are now husband and wife. But they have to actively make the right choices. They have to actively take ownership for when they failed. They have to now walk in this new truth. We have to now learn to live like we're married. That first trial was coming home, bro. That's Monique and I got married. At my little bachelor pad, it was nice. Man, I had my music room. I had my stuff. All oh, it was nice. Married my dear wife. She comes in. She starts taking stuff off the wall. doing honey come to work come back home everything's re- I'm real um what happened to my little oh no that's too bulky look we need to go to Walmart and find something <laughs> uh, yeah you know I love you babe but um that's been okay for 25 years in my life so no 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 that's just and all of a sudden what tension tension right we had to learn to walk in I had to learn to love sacrificially. I had to learn to do what? Say, you know, I'm sorry. And what was the motivation for doing all of that? Because the Bible says, love your wife as Christ has loved the church. And if I understand the love of Christ, it ought to have an outworking towards my wife. You understand what I'm saying? If you and I understand the love of Christ towards you and what he suffered for you, it ought to have implications on how you live your life. The choices you're making, how you're spending your time, the people that you hang out with. It ought to have an implication. It's not just about I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven. We got living to do now. And Peter's going to go into this other section, and we'll pick this up next time. But notice what he's saying. In light of who you are in Christ, now you make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, and godliness, and brotherly affection, and love. We'll unpack this next time. But do you see the part that you got to play? Christ did it all for you as far as your salvation is concerned. Now you got to present your life as a living sacrifice. But I just get, yes, you can. He's given you all power, and it's his power. Make the right choices. Thank you. Amen. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for giving us all that we need in Jesus Christ. Thank you for your divine power. Father, thank you that we don't have to walk to the beat of the world or the culture, no matter how much it presses in on our thoughts and the temptations that are there. God, we can walk in holiness. We can walk in a manner that is pleasing to you because of Christ and because of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. But Lord, help us not to miss. We need to present our lives to you. We need to renew our minds in your word. We need to pray without ceasing. God, we experience your power. 
through the word, through prayer, even through worshiping together as believers. Father, these are the means that you use that we might experience that power. So help all of us to examine our lives, see what it is we need to do, what we need to change, that we might begin to pursue you with all that is Fight and protect us. Father, thank you so much for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope and pray that you've been challenged. I know I have. You know, whenever you prepare a message, you get beat up by the Holy Spirit. And then you preach it to people and you get beat up again. Man, I just talked to like 12 rounds. It's like, come on, step in, right? But that's, that's the nature of God's word. It, it sharpens us. It, it convicts us. It helps us to see, as James says, it's like looking in a mirror. And when we look in the mirror, God will show me, hey, here's some areas in your life, Ron, where you don't look like me. Not to condemn me, because our righteousness is in Christ. But to say, you know what, here's some areas where you need to look more like me. You need a little bit more humility, right? See right there? Oh, yeah, right there, Lord? Oh, okay. A little more humility? Okay. What about right there? Oh, yeah, a little, little less. Okay, Lord. All right. Thank you for giving me this power, God. I'm going to walk in that. And then you make the choices to change. Before you go, Lord, anything you do about the hair? No? Okay. All right. In glory? Okay, no problem. <laughs> so, guys, walk out of here feeling encouraged, knowing who you are. You Giving you all the power you need. Now you got to do your part. Get with him. Get with him in prayer and time with him. Reach out to one another. Because Jason's having a rough week. God uses all of us as instruments. Amen? Amen. Father, I